Hello, fuck demons, and welcome back to Sex News with Ray. Today's guest is Marika. Do I say your last name or do I just say Marika? Yeah, Marika's fine. Marika. Marika is the owner and co-founder of Kink Engineering, a Toronto-based latex bondage gear and clothing company. She's been working in the fetish industry for the last 15 years and has recently launched a line of latex cat suits that champions body positivity and gender inclusivity. I'm very familiar with that line. Hey. She started working with the Toronto drag community just over a year ago, and two of her outfits can be seen on the runways of Canada's Drag Race Season 3. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, I mean, other than you are also part of my Katsu uh, empire um, as the pattern drafter to that. Um, and the beginning of the chain, or second step of the chain. I think step one is they email their measurements, and then step two is... Step, step one is purchasing. Mm, yeah. 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 It's fun. And then I just get to sit in my basement and draft and then ship them off to and never deal with a client ever again. Theoretically. <laughs> Theoretically. It's been great. I hope you're enjoying the partnership. I'm I am very much enjoying the partnership. Yeah. I don't have to deal with the clients either. That's my amazing office manager who does that. I just get to craft them. River and make people's butts yeah. look shiny. Yeah, and make really cool shit like giant inflatable balloon cat suits. Yep. Which yeah. is pretty cool. Well, I had you in today for a specific reason, because we're going to talk about today's article, which is supporters and protesters turn out at Oxford Drag Queen's Drag Queen Kids story time. This is the BBC News from August 23rd, 2022. And we're going to open with a quote. Ada H.D. performed at Oxfordshire County Library as part of a UK tour designed to inform youngsters about the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm going to pause myself and go, what a great drag queen. Yeah, that's I was like, that's that's a great a good one. OK. So 50 people protested, 300 people counter-protested, and I'm going to summarize this real quick for everybody. Some protesters say that a drag queen performing at a library sexualizes children, and the counter-protesters showed up to protect the library and say no. So here's a quote from one of the anti-drag protesters. Drag entertainment is an adult form of entertainment. It is about sex. What we're talking about is very impressionable children who are not just having a story read to them by someone in a costume, they're having a story read to them by someone with an agenda. I think for some children, it could be very dangerous. The performer behind Ada HD, known as Sab Samuel, says the show contained no sexual language, nor were children exposed to sexual situations. A quote from Samuel, they think I'm sexualizing children. They have used the word sex and gender more than I ever have in my story hour. So if anyone is sexualizing children, it's them. And the article then continues to say that these protests were pre-planned on social media by groups that used to stage anti-lockdown and anti-vaccine protests and claimed that the event was being hosted by pedophiles and child groomers. Right. This is one of those classic, like, you guys are, are, it's like all of, I think the term is dog whistle. Like, all of the, every key word that you look up when you're looking for a stereotype of a human rather than a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's also not something that's unique to uh, the UK. Um, this is a program that happens kind of all over North America. There were protests in Toronto in 2018 um, from, I believe it was Lucy Flawless, also great drag name, mm -hmm. uh, who was doing story time at the Toronto Public Library. And people got really upset about it because they're sexualizing kids and I feel like these are the same people who complain about, like, non-binary people. And I'm like, but this is literally, like, a hyperinflated performance of a gender. Isn't that all you want? Right. So I, I think one of the core arguments is that when you teach kids about gender identity and gender fluidity, 
you are introducing them to a sexualized, air quotes, um, concept at a young age. And that kind of falls under the whole, we shouldn't be teaching our kids about sex of any kind, because all of that sexualizes kids, because sex ed is a terrible thing that will inherently make children want to fuck. Or something. Yeah. Or there's this implication here that Ada HD is a child groomer because she is wearing, she's, she's, she's dressed in a giant costume and reading stories. Which is really interesting, especially in England, because there's a tradition of pantomime dames in England, which are um, men dressed as women in theatrical productions who usually play like a fairy godmother or something of that kind um you can see there's posters in toronto around christmas there's always like one like kids production of aladdin or in whatever yeah and there's always some dude in drag yeah and, and it's very much a man in drag this isn't a trans woman this is like a dude in drag yes and that comes from the british pantomime panto dame tradition which is just really ingrained in british culture so to have everybody be upset about a drag queen doing exactly what a pantomime dame would do just seems so bizarre we have so many other examples of this though we have this with uh that movie with robin williams that i'm blanking on the name of miss doubtfire yeah that's that's like making fun of that yeah, to a certain I, extent. And I mean, that's Nobody whole, protested that movie. No, that's considered a wholesome, if not somewhat problematic in today's lens. But yeah. Otherwise, At wholesome. The time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a wholesome family. Same with Hairspray. The the mom is always a man. Yep. In drag. Yep. Every time. There's all these examples, but when it's reading, those are all things that are considered, you know, wholesome family fun until you're reading books to children in the library. Yeah. And I mean, a library is a place for education. So it, it seems like it would be a good fit to bring, you know, a queer performer into a learning space to encourage children to have a different worldview. I don't think children will even understand that this is drag or trans. I remember being a kid and like, I thought that a giant purple dinosaur came out and sang to children. And I, I did go and watch that giant purple dinosaur sing to me as a kid. That was my first concert, according to my mom. So like, if that's something that I did not question, why would why would these kids who are at this phase where they're doing a lot of imaginative thinking, they're not putting the same adult associations on this person no. or the situation that the adults are the, like how I don't understand how someone reading a book is sexualizing children. You know, like that's the part where I'm like, you've lost me, protester. It's it's because it's a very easy thing to fall back on the the whole like queer community grooms children abuses children um pedophile saying the word pedophile is such a it evokes such a visceral reaction that it's hard to find a more negative term to apply to something so if you say this person is a pedophile this person is grooming a child yeah it's a very polarizing thing it's really hard to argue well no they're you know they're actually like a cool dude, but they're a pedophile is the argument. Yeah. Right. Well, it's that interesting thing where if you look into how people do groom young children, usually it has to do with access to children in a certain way, like unsupervised access, which a yes. drag queen reading stories is not having this unsupervised access. No. <laughs> um, a groomer will typically be in a position of power over that child in some way, whether they're a teacher or a coach or 
or a parent or an uncle or an aunt or whatever. And then the other part that I find interesting is usually it starts with um, having inappropriate sexual conversations with the kids to desensitize them to to that. Or like with people where it's touching, it's like, oh, just come sit on my lap. Like it's desensitizing them to certain touch. This is not a drag queen pulling a child onto their lap and saying, let me read a story to you, child. Put your hand on my crotch. Like that's not what's happening. The stories aren't sexual at all. So there, there are none of the hallmarks of what groomers do or how it works. And anyone who knows anything about child, like child sex abuse knows that. Well, I also think that with the drag community, um, there is a really big push on teaching consent because um, drag queens are not toys. You don't go to a drag show and like grab at drag queens. So they are advocates of teaching the audience what consent and what permission to touch somebody looks like, which is the exact opposite of grooming a child. I remember there used to be an issue in queer spaces and queer bars and drag bars to a certain extent, even in Toronto, of just um, cisgendered gay guys going up to their straight female friends or the women who were there and just like touching their bodies without asking because I'm gay, so it's okay. And then there was a big pushback saying, no, it's not. And that's not okay. And we're not your toys and we're not sexual objects to you either. And then there was a big conversation in the drag community about how we need to stop calling other drag queens. We have to stop saying they smell like fish. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I'm sure you're more um, familiar than I am. Okay, but. so the 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 term fishy um, in, in drag parlance uh, means passable as a woman, right? So if you are a fishy queen, it means that you could go out and drag and um, dudes would pick you up and think that you are a woman. The reason why it's problematic is because the term fishy comes from the smell of a woman's vagina or the perceived rank fishy odor of a woman's vagina. And it's obviously a a problematic stereotype saying that, you know, oh, I'm, I aspire to be fishy while you're putting down um, women. Like you, you are- You are you're, impersonating you're a woman while simultaneously implying that our bodies are dirty or smelly or exactly yeah and and that's just not something that you know the queer community really wants to propagate like you want to you want to build everybody up not build one person up by tearing someone else down yeah we don't we don't uh that's some mra bullshit that we don't do yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mra men's rights activists for those who are unfamiliar with the term So can you talk a bit more about your personal experiences with drag? I am a uh, huge fan of drag. Um, That is kind of my, one of my biggest experiences. Um, I've been a fan. I I first found drag probably like most people do through RuPaul's Drag Race um, seven or eight years ago. Um, And I just, I love the art form. I think that there's so many different, interesting, creative paths. And um, last year when we were hiring, um, I looked to the drag community to uh, see if there would be anybody in the drag community interested in coming and working part-time. Because I wanted that creative energy. I wanted that different viewpoint. You know, I tried to hire people from different fields that we have different voices and skill sets yeah 
Right. Um, I have another employee who I think had worked in cosplay before. And so she had a ton of other like variety and skill sets that were helpful for the. Um, yeah. One of my employees um, is a fursuit maker, like actual furry fur. Um, and it's, it's just different perspectives kind of um, coming together to foster a really cool creative vibe. So I started becoming a little bit more involved in the Toronto drag community after uh, I hired Helena Poulsen. Shout out to her because she's amazing. Um, and, you know, we go out to drag shows a few times a month. Uh, and that can be anything from like a dirty bingo where you're just sitting around drinking, playing bingo, um, big uh burlesque shows that you know are big touring big production shows um local uh drag competitions as well which is something that's really really cool that i think if you are in a large city that has a vibrant drag culture please see if there are any local drag competitions because the sheer amount of raw talent is just amazing to watch so what should someone expect if they go to a drag show? What are they walking into? Um, okay, so there's a couple things. Uh, if you look like you do not want to interact with a drag queen, uh, they can smell you from a mile away and they will zone in on you and pick on you. Um, which is which is so good for the rest of us. Oh, which is always fun to watch. Um, at any drag show, um, there's so many different varieties, but at any drag show. Uh, expect sass from the drag queen, um, audience interaction. Usually they will do something called reading, which is where uh, they kind of lovingly make jokes about the audience. Um, always bring $5 bills to tip drag queens. Um, that is just good etiquette. Um, most of them make their money off of uh, tips. And then it's really kind of a choose your own adventure, you know? Um, uh, look up what kind of club it is, right? Like, is there going to be a stage or is the drag queen hosting a brunch? Um, drag brunch is the best. Drag brunches are really, really fun. Um, I, I'm i also a fan of just like a good old open stage night. Sometimes it'll be uh, viewing parties, like a drag rich viewing party where it's just a couple of drag queens, you know, commentating on the show. Um, which can be really fun too. So it's there's there's a lot. Um, expect sassy queens. Never touch a drag queen. Never touch a drag queen unless they explicitly are like, I will take your hand and like put, put it. it somewhere. Well, you don't want to fuck up the costume and the makeup. That too. And I mean consent. Consent, no, obviously. <laughs> consent number one. But if I put in that much effort to like stuffing things in the right way and making sure that shit's locked down and someone fucks with my costume, I'd be like, Get the fuck off me. And it is a lot of effort. Um, and, um, you know, expect uh, just a, a really fun show that is a, a positive queer space. Yeah. If you are maybe part of the manosphere or if you're not really into queer shows, maybe drag's not for you. I once went to, I think it was Cruising Tango's back before the pandemic and there was someone having her bridal bachelorette party the reason yeah this is one of those stories <laughs> and it's because the bride is entitled 
Yes. And it's a bunch of straight women walking into a queer space, feeling entitled to being the center of attention. Don't know why. Uh, so this bride didn't like that the drag queen made fun of her. They're like, it's her bachelorette. And the drag it's queen is like, special day. Yeah. The, the drag queen, I don't even remember which one, but she basically was like, good for you, honey. And then like, literally did her job, which was made fun of her. Yeah. That's that's how you show people care in these spaces. Is You said it's a reading, right? Yeah. She, she, she took her to the library. Anyway, so <laughs> I remember her and her friends were like, oh my God, she's such a bitch. We should trip her. And I was like, behind them, like, you will not trip her. Like, are you joking? One, you can legitimately break an ankle in those shoes. Yeah. And that's assault. Yes. And second of all, if you didn't want to be made fun of, why did you come to a drag show? I don't understand. It's half the fun. Yeah. It's like going to a comedy show and getting roasted. Exactly. You're sat in the front seat. Exactly. You, you need to understand that if you go to a drag show at a small bar, like obviously if you're going to a touring big show, like we saw Violet Tchotchke um, earlier this summer, she's not going to roast you if you're like way in the back of the theater, right? But like if you're at a small club, expect interaction from the drag queens. And that's half the fun. Yeah. Some of them are better at it than others, too. Some of them, you know, they have their, like, hand phrases, and you're like, okay, you're new to this. And some of them are, like, really good. Oh, yeah. Very good improv artists right there. Oh, yeah. Um, so would you... I guess my question here is, do you think drag is inappropriate? Appropriate? Is there... Is that a word you would ever... I mean, that's a very contextual thing. I think that drag can be as wholesome as... Um, somebody in a really cool costume reading books to children, um, or it can be a, a filthy insult comic who, I mean, a lot of adults would blush at what they're saying. So it it depends on where you are. It depends on the situation that you're you're putting yourself in. Um, I. I think that if done in good taste, drag is almost always appropriate. And I think that it's um, part of the fun is how subversive it is. Um, but also part of the fun is how it sparks people's imaginations. Um, so I think appropriate versus inappropriate is more of a contextual question than kind of a blanket statement. Yeah, if I think about it, I've seen more inappropriate outfits at the gym than I have at a drag show. Yeah, I mean, drag queens inappropriate quote-unquote if we're going to talk about like showing skin or yeah saying something about your body or drag queens don't like to show a lot of skin because most of that is um i mean there's there's a few uh who um like helena poison um who i work with describes herself as like a sci-fi space hunter um so i mean yeah she's showing more skin than others but in general there's so much padding and corsetry that goes on that you're really not going to see a lot of skin um, you might feel uncomfortable seeing somebody performing as a, a different gender, right? Like that, that might make people feel uncomfortable, which is part of the fun subversiveness of it. But, but gender is a performance. That's kind of the whole point. Exactly. Like all gender is a performance. And this is just taking it to that 10th degree. Yeah, it's it's just really pointing out that all gender is a performance and um kind of sticking your nose up at it is that the right term sure we'll go with that yeah yeah saying if this is a performance it's gonna be a performance yeah we're gonna really drive it through 
Um, so you worked on two costumes for RuPaul's Drag Race. I did. You did. Do you want to talk about that experience at all? <laughs> sure. Um, uh, so we worked on um, two different outfits for two different queens simultaneously, uh, which was an interesting one because we were having them in for fittings and we we could not tell them that we were working on each other's costumes because we weren't even supposed to know that both of the queens were on the show. Uh, we worked with Bombay and um, Fiercelicious. They are both delightful. Um, Bombay came to us with um, an idea for the periodic table runway. Now, queens are given prompts for uh, each runway, and it's up to them to kind of design an outfit around that. Um, Bombay wanted to do something uh, that was kind of based off of the uh, Gould statues, which are those big, like, inflatable balloon dog statues um but make it look like a human uh so we kind of designed a weird sexy michelin woman um costume uh we nicknamed her balloon bitch the item was helium uh so the idea was to make it look like a curvaceous form um that was made out of helium it was frantic to put together. I don't think I've ever been more proud of anything I've ever done. Um, it was just a, a really crazy feat of engineering. And working in inflatables is something that uh, requires a lot of trial and error. And she had 24 individual inflatable components all over her body, creating arms, pigtails, boobs, butt, thighs, legs. Right, and I saw a close-up picture where you hid the inflatable valves by making them look like a balloon knot. Yes, so that's a shout-out uh, to Kiga, who uh, was is my cosplayer, um, who was working with us at the time. Um, and we had the idea to, uh, because there were all of these valves that were going to stick out, uh, I had the idea to um, kind of math it out so that they would do an outline, like everything would be a nice shape at the back with the valves, and then we wanted to hide them by making them look like balloon knots because the outfit was going to be balloons anyway. So that was just kind of one of those happy, like, well, shit, we have this problem that we need to solve. Here Here's a solution. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other outfit that we made, uh, Sea Hag, was for Miss um, Fierce Delicious, and it was the complete opposite in almost every possible way from Balloon Bitch, um, where Balloon Bitch was inflatable, super high gloss, um, like we wanted it to look like latex. Um, sea hag, we wanted it to look nothing like latex. Um, we used the opposite non-glossy side of uh, the sheeting so that it would look kind of like a dull, weird skin. And then um, airbrushed the the body. There was no um, there was no shine. Normally you'd shine up latex and silicone lubricant. None of that touched it. Everything was supposed to look matte, kind of rotten and degraded, which is not really a thing that people associate with latex, which was why it was so cool. Uh, and that was uh, Helena Poison who was spearheading that. Um, she has a background in, uh, among other things, special effects makeup. So she did all these like crazy prosthetics for it. It was... It looked really cool. 
Thank you. All of it looks really cool. Yeah, it was, um, they were two very good looks. I've been a fan of the Drag Race franchise for years and years and years, and I've always wanted something on, um, on a runway, and to have both of my looks make it to the runway this year was pretty surreal. And did you go on site to help them get into those pieces? No, uh, nobody's allowed on site. Um, although hilariously, um, one of my former employees, uh, was working, um, as a costume designer for this season of, uh, Drag Race. And, um, she saw the production and how many people it took to get them into it and inflate it. Uh, yep. They could not use an electric pump because the microphones would pick it up. Uh, so they had to have several many crew members just blowing into it, blowing into valves, blowing what was her name, Bombay, Bombay. So blowing several crew Bombay. members blew Bombay. Oh yeah. Okay. I f- I feel like a lot of people would have wanted to blow Bombay. Mom's pretty pretty aces. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, bomb was the trade of the season. <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, if anyone here is interested in latex pieces like latex catsuits or any sort of more fetishy type gear, Kink Engineering is the place to go pretty much in the city as far as I know. Like, I think a doll is still around doing cosplay. Um, I I think she still does a little bit of cosplay. Um, But yeah, I mean, I feel like most of the designers in the city, like myself included, we just, I don't know what they're up to. I don't know what I'm up. Like, I'm doing other things. There's just not enough of a market. I'm just too stubborn to quit. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be someone. Also, yeah. you're all of our suppliers, so you're good no matter what there. That's true. Uh, when you sell latex cheating, it's a lot easier to uh, continuously have inventory to make stuff. Yeah, that tends to make a difference. But you guys have been doing it for a while. You're a very trustworthy brand. And... I don't know about you, but I am tired of seeing latex advertisements with cocaine chic early 90s models exclusively. Oh my God. Which like, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it so actually, much. I was actually scrolling through. Um, so Shayna Warren is still around and kicking. Yep. Jan- yeah. So I'm I'm on part of her team that's doing social media. Yep. She needed an SEO person. I knew someone. We've all been working together. And uh, because of that, I get like Facebook ads for things that I don't follow. Okay. And one of them comes up and it's like, it literally looked like two shiny pipe cleaners Oof. for legs. And I want to add that I don't want to body shame skinny person. I have no problem. Like that is that woman's body. She is that thin naturally. I get it. Yep. But I feel like when it comes to latex advertising, so many of these designers didn't, they don't realize it's not the nineties anymore. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, to your point to not like body shame skinny models, um, the, the issue is if that is the only thing that is being shown with respect to latex, it makes it very inaccessible because that is one single body type and there is only a small subsection of your clients who have that body type. And um, I, I'm curvaceous. Um, I've got, you know, cellulite, I've got rolls and latex is just like full body shapewear. I feel so much more comfortable in latex than I do naked. Oh, it's it's like putting on a super suit. It is. And um it's it's unfortunate that so many designers um don't don't want to share that. I I feel like a lot of especially older like much much older we're talking 
brands that are, you know, like 20 plus years old were started by male fetishists who wanted a certain look mm-hmm. and they have been kind of gatekeepery in the community. And uh, it just drives me insane. Um, I think that if you have a body, you have a body for latex. I completely agree. The amount of times I went places in latex and was told by girls skinnier than I was, I could never wear latex. I'm too big for it. <gasps> and I was like looking at them like, bitch, I'm fatter than you. <laughs> yeah. And this was back when I was like maybe a size eight, maybe encroaching upon a size 10. I don't know. Like I was still very mid-sized at the yeah. most. Like, And even then I was like looking at them like, are you fucking kidding me? I am literally two pant sizes bigger than you. What do you mean you're too big for latex? Yeah. Are you joking? Now, what I will say to that point is it's very important that you choose a style of latex that is flattering to your body yes i would say a cat suit is flattering to almost everybody but aside from that yes a, fl- yeah. a cat suit is flattering to almost everybody because it is full body shape wear. um and also you do custom so it's gonna fix you you're not trying to cram your body into that's why we work together exactly. is because it's custom shapewear not off the rack yes. try and stuff your body into this tiny tube yeah yeah anyway you know like if if i were to wear a pair of latex booty shorts i have meaty thighs i have a big butt and booty shorts i just muffin top out i muffin top i muffin bottom i muffin sides out of it because it's tighter than you you're gonna yeah and it's just it's very unflattering but that's true of any type of clothing i think people just get a little bit more self-conscious with latex well, you're wearing uh, a very, a non-stretch material, even though it's supposed to be stretchy, like it does stretch, but like, it's not going to, it's not spandex and people don't understand that it does not fit or feel like spandex until you put it on your leg. Right. Not yeah. spandex. Okay. Can we please for a second talk about latex underwear? Because I have a fat puss okay. and I can't wear it. It's like, it doesn't matter what I do. Somehow both of my labia are out. And and it's it ends up like giving me like the worst front wedgie, no matter how hard I try, no matter which style. Okay. Like I can't wear a latex long, I can't wear latex booty shorts. It's leggings or nothing. Okay. I can tell you exactly why that's happening. Because almost anybody with a puss, um, actually almost anybody with any genitals is going to get moisture in their genitals. And um any kind of latex underwear is just gonna it's it's like it would give you a wedgie, but like you're you've you've got a slick surface that is stretchy and wants to go to the smallest area. So it's just, it's just going to go right up in. It's like, that's, yeah, it's never not going to happen. Well, I had someone once ask me to make them a bodysuit piece. And it honestly was like the best fit crotch I've ever seen. And I was so proud of myself, patting myself on the back. And they're like, but I don't look like this model. And then they showed me a Photoshopped picture of someone in a bodysuit. And I'm like, they Photoshopped her. And she goes, it's not Photoshop. I'm like, you literally, there's no way that this would be fitting on her unless she was wearing non-latex like stockings underneath to keep it out of her crotch, yeah. which she is not. Therefore, they photoshopped her puss. Like, sorry, I should say vulva, like a real sex educator. But <laughs> when it comes to latex undergarments, it's going to be fat puss all the way. So it's yeah. um, latex undergarments are tons of fun. Um, but yeah, they, they do try to your your body will try to consume them whether it be through um a vulva or a butt crack (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so any photos that people see of me wearing a latex thong they need to know that i have artfully arranged the angle upon which they are seeing it and i only wear them for photos i wear nothing underneath normally because i'd rather free ball it than ever have to deal with picking that out in public yeah fair 
Fair. I, I was going to say with the thong, because it's already up your butt, I find it doesn't quite. No, so merge, that's, but no, that's it, the fat it, yeah. issue where it's up my butt and then it's up all of me. And then once again, the labia is no, out. You, you're right. I just have an oil and latex thong. I really love it. I never wear You don't need to. I remember, so um, I should also add for my listeners that I was a nice little uh, baby fetishist, I think, when I met you. <laughs> and I was like a cute girl from the suburbs who knew nothing and went to my first like fetish party with Ego Assassin. Yeah. And I was like, but like, doesn't this show like underwear underneath when you wear it? And literally everyone in the room went, just don't wear any. And I'm like, but it's a mini skirt. <laughs> and I was like, and that was a, a nice moment. Uh, now I'm at that. Like, yeah, no, don't. If you're going to wear anything latex, you don't wear undergarments with it. If you're going to wear a bra, that's fine. But pick one that you don't mind being covered in sweat and lube and stained forever. Yeah, I actually, um, I wear a lot of bras with my latex. Um, I tend to design things to give me like a deep plunge neckline. And then um, I have, you know, like B cup boobs, but I, I, but I have a small waist and big, big hips. So I like to balance things out with either cutlets or a bra. And as long as you have a bra that you don't mind getting sweaty and lubey, yeah. I'm I'm a proponent for the, the cleavage that it gives you. That's fair. I find that I sometimes get that sports bra effect when I wear like my Halloween costume last year. I was like, I feel like a rectangle, but it's an accurate to the cartoon outfit, so I'm okay with my rectangular shape, I guess. The other thing that I will touch on with underwear and latex is that there is a really stunning trend of wearing lingerie under transparent latex. Yes, I'm down for that. I love that look. I do that look a lot. Um, I just wish transparent latex didn't stain so easily. Because for a lot of people who like don't have the budget or the the discount that we do uh, by making it yourself, like it is so expensive to spend money on like a transparent or light colored piece and then have it stained the first time you sit down in public. Yeah. And, and frustrating. Yeah. It's a luxury good. Whenever whenever people complain about pricing to me, my response is, you're paying for a luxury good. The cost yeah. of the materials alone is the same as luxury materials. So, yeah. fuck off. Not to mention the amount of time it takes to craft anything. And we're not paying sweatshop labor rates. So. No. Or I'm not paying myself sweatshop labor rates. That's I'm, for sure. I'm not paying my staff sweatshop labor rates. You want sweatshop rates. labor? Go talk to them. And then, you know, there was one person, I remember, like, they bought a catsuit off of one of those Chinese sweatshop labor latex companies and it came back inside out. They made it shiny, uh, matte side out by accident. And they sent it, I think, to some, either you or Eagle Assassin when I was there. And they were like, can you repair this and fix it? And they were like, no, buy a new one. Yeah. For the amount that you paid for that, like, we would just have to make you a new one for five times the price. Yeah, I have a policy to never do repairs on Chinese latex because there's always something. Yeah. Well, I also had someone ask me the other day if I would be willing to alter something that's been chlorinated. And I said, absolutely not. And I don't do alterations on a piece that I like you get when I make you a piece, I will give you one free alteration before you've looped it up. Yep. And usually my alterations are minor. They're always minor alterations because I'm experienced enough now that they're minor. It used to be major. Now it's minor. It's a great time. Uh, but if you have looped it up or given it to me, like covered in some sort of like thing i'm going to charge you a cleaning fee if you make me shower your like if i have to rinse your latex off in my own bathtub in order to work with it you're what, gonna want to charge you a cleaning fee every what's, time what's your cleaning fee i uh, so far i've just told them they'll be charged a cleaning fee and people have returned it properly cleaned oh mine's a hundred dollars oh good to know yeah yeah good to know for future reference yeah and if someone gives it to me they're like i gave it to you clean but it's covered in lube i'm like unfortunately i cannot repair this so you can pay me or you can clean it like yeah. you know what i mean like 
Yeah, clean clean does not mean um like clean and then and then lubed up again. In, yeah, and then dipped in like Vivashine, which is a, a blue like dip polish that yeah. that is great, but not if you're not if you're trying to repair it. it. Yeah, I have to reclean it for you, and it was a waste of all of our time. And uh, yeah, that's always fun when when they do that. So I won't do that also because you risk ruining their piece when they want you to alter it if it's two years old. The latex is already degraded from where it was originally, and like I'm like you might be willing to do alterations. I am not willing to take on that risk and I would rather not. There's no price you can pay me to have to redo your entire piece if I fuck it up. Oh, we have paperwork that people sign. We're, yeah. Yeah. Li- liability waivers and blah, blah, blah for people coming in and doing repairs because we get a lot of that. But. Yeah. And then they are like, oh no. And you're like, well, oh well. I mean, generally the only problems that we've ever had doing repairs have been with Chinese attacks, which is why we don't have to. Yeah. Well, I remember with chlorinated, like I remember uh, sanding down the seams so they could be altered when EgoSF did a chlorination alteration. Yes. And I was like, I will never sand down a seam again. This is why I kind of got into the latex business. I was like, I never want to do this again. I never want to do this again. And I never want to do this ever again. And that's why I just pattern craft and do other things. And that's why I have a team who does the stuff I don't want. And interns that you can be like, your job is to sand this down. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, it's nice to make stuff for myself, so that's yeah. always good. Being able to, like, just whip up a cute outfit for the fetish event. It's a, it's a great skill to have. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely something that I take for granted because I always have very cool outfits um, and never think I need them. Yeah. But, I mean, good advertising for yourself. Um, back to uh, the, the drag thing. I actually um, am starting to see a lot more latex in the drag community around Toronto. Excellent. Because one of the local drag queens works for me and makes all of her own costumes. And now everyone wants more latex. Yep. I There's something to be said for latex becoming more mainstream. It should be, in my opinion, considered the same as leather. And yes. I think that there's certain celebrities who are doing a really good job of making it seem like that. That being said, I have seen some pieces on the red carpets that I am like, I could do a better job. Who sold you this? It's always people wearing very simple dresses and they're getting them from like, like Yves Saint Laurent has a latex line now. Yeah, it's not good. Um, Buying latex from a not latex designer is just a weird. It's kind of a mistake. Yeah, especially like the dresses that Yves Saint Laurent has are thousands of dollars where you could go and spend six hundred dollars and get a perfectly fit beautiful dress if you did custom you know, yeah for the same price. yeah if you if you did two, uh, half an hour's worth of googling you could yeah. find a latex designer but people want the Yves Saint Laurent version because it's the name their hardware is really cool I remember looking at some of these high-end designers and they have access to really cool hardware that we don't have access to because of our suppliers but like well yeah they get everything custom made yeah that's the only thing that I think you would have a benefit for there but if you don't care about that specific buckle you're fine with any silver buckle, yep. then there's a lot more options out there. But I mean, Kim Kardashian, she's clearly a purse. She's done a lot for the latex community. That one, like um, the sea hag costume that we made was actually uh, what I call the Kardashian brown. It's that like weird brownish. That camel color. Yeah. 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 Um, it's actually called light brown, which is a weird not what I would call it, but um, yeah, yes, yeah. like she's she's really done a great job. And um, Lady Gaga's uh, Chromatica tour is just drenched in latex. 
Yikes. Oh, I saw her live a few years ago. She had an inflatable octopus dress and headset all made out of rubber. And it was spectacular. And I now have everyone in my life, like all of my friends who are around me often enough, will will be watching like movies together and they'll be like, is it latex or PVC? And I'm like, that one's PVC or that one's latex. And now they too are like, I think that one's PVC. And I'm like, you're right. You got it. And we play that game every time we're watching TV right now. I tell them to look for the scenes. I was just going to ask you. So what, what, tell your listeners how to do it. Yeah. Look for okay. The so look for stitch lines, look for the scenes. Mm-hmm. If you can see a very clear, like one line with stitch lines, like from a sewing machine, Always it's PVC. Yeah. You never, um, sew your, you never sew latex. Well, um, not, ooh, not never. There was actually but... one, one of the Star Trek movies had sewn latex, but it was clearly a, a second treatment that they had done. Like the way that they had put the scenes together mm-hmm. and they had top stitching on it, but that meant they had to reinforce it in some way. It was like a really weird technique I hadn't seen anywhere else before. Um, there's a company in Germany whose name I'm blanking on. It might be Black Style and they do sewn leather or leather, sewn latex pants. And yeah, you basically just have to put like you have to read in into the, the seam yeah. and then it reduces the stretch in different ways. And yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But yeah, so if you're going to latex and PVC are frequently equally shiny to a certain extent, but on a latex piece, the seam looks different than the seam on PVC. So you're basically looking at the seam and unless you've seen a latex garment or, or a regular garment, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But like it'll have like that wider flat seam yep. for a latex piece or the shine might be slightly different. Yeah, that's the main way to tell well we covered a lot of ground should we take a short break sure great this is your casual super chill reminder that we have podcast swag do you want a hat that says fuck demon we have those among other items you can find them through sharewithray.com slash merch or head to my etsy store send nudes by ray and we're back and marika i have two listener questions for you today i'm going to start with an easy one are you ready i'm ready would having sex and wearing latex clothes and brackets at the same time be like a weird combo um i like weird uh so maybe it's an awesome combo uh i have sex in latex all the time because i feel super empowered in latex um it is so easy to wipe down if you're gonna make a mess um and it's just shiny fun times it's like you can put lube all over your body so i highly highly recommend uh having sex and latex i would say absolutely not a weird combo very standard for people who wear latex yep is to have sex while they're wearing their latex oh yeah absolutely oh and while you're at it try and go for a swim Ooh yeah or take your latex off in the shower that's my favorite i've been telling people that for it's years so good. it's my absolute favorite i have well, some of my favorite nights are the ones where we like like my oasis nights where i'd be in rubber and we like have sex in the pool or like you'd be swimming in the rubber and then at the end of the night you get in a shower and you put it on like really hot yeah and you feel the water go from hot to cold to hot again just from taking it off yeah it's, good. it's great get someone to give you a massage like a luby massage mm. while you're in yeah the rubber never use oil only silicone only silicone or yeah. water-based lubricant will work it'll just get kind of sticky over time yeah and also um water-based stuff tends to leave weird residue i've yep. i've avoided it pretty much since i fucked up one cat suit i i don't love water-based lube but it's also something that you can use if you don't want to like stain the furniture yeah that's true good call well that was answered fast that's why i've got a second question for you it's three questions i'm gonna go all three and then we'll answer them one at a time sure okay i last around 30 to 45 minutes this is from a man is that normal 
And how often should a woman come during that time? Do women get bored if it's 30 to 45 minutes? Wow. That's a question. Um, All right. I last 30 to 45 minutes. Is that normal? I mean, sure. I think it's within a normal range. Yeah. Um, what I, is normal is is hard to... I, like, again, it's it's like when we were talking about, like, what is appropriate? Um, normal is... Normal is different for um, what age? Like, are, are you in your early 20s and lasting 30 to 45 minutes? Are you in your late 80s and lasting 30 to 45 minutes? Because those are two very different... Yeah, good for grandpa. Yeah. Fuck yeah, grandpa. Um, I, I mean, I would say like 30 to 45 minutes, um, is, is great. It's a thing. Um, and again, like your, your arousal level will change over the 30 to 45 minutes. Like if you're just pounding away for 30 to 45 minutes, that's something different than if you're going down on each other and making out with each other and fucking in rotation um well when i originally saw this question i was like oh they're having sex for 30 to 45 minutes including foreplay including core play including the come down i'm like yeah that's actually that's not bad and then i i realized he meant just penetration for 30 to 45 minutes so that middle question of how often should a woman come during that time my answer to that is a woman most women 80 percent of women are not going to come during that time if you are just doing penetration for 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, so um, I've had experiences with maybe not 30 to 45 minutes, but um, I, I've had a partner who, um, when he and I became monogamous, uh, he, he formerly had a rotation of, you know, five or six or seven or eight women um, that he would, you know, fuck a different woman every night. And when he and I became monogamous, uh, I basically said to him, look, you can't pound me the way you can't destroy my puss the way you would with a woman who has a week to recover. Um, I gave the analogy of um, a concert, like if you're a band and you're going on tour, it's cool if you're going to trash the stage every night. But if you are doing a residency and you have to play at the same place over and over and over again, you can't trash the stage every night. So like pounding for 30 to 45 minutes is gonna be a lot. I, you'd be raw. You would be very raw. I hope that you are using a lot of lube. I hope that you are doing other things. I hope that you're using vibrators, other forms of stimulation. I can confirm he is not. So you're giving him a good lesson right now. Okay, use yeah. uh, user question asker you should be using a lot of lube so much lube pro definitely silicone based lube if the yeah that water base is going to get absorbed real quick yep silicone based if uh that's something that your partner's body will tolerate um you should be using vibrators you should be talking about maybe butt plugs you should be um communicating with your partner there is nothing sexier than asking does this feel good do you want me to do things differently um getting affirmation from your partner like i some sometimes i will come half a dozen times within five minutes and sometimes i won't come at all um so it's right that how often should a woman come during that time 
a woman or all women? I have so many questions here. Like your partner or all women? Because there's not, our bodies are not the same. Yeah, I feel like this is not really a thing that you can quantify. I feel like it's more a mindset to address that um, it is about um, mutual pleasure and making sure that your partner is having a good time, whether or not they are orgasming. Because you can have a, an amazing rip-roaring good time without coming at all, um, or you can come... One million times. Uh, yeah, I don't know, 20, 30 times. Yeah. I... I just think that this is another example where our sex education, and when I say sex education, I don't mean like STIs and body stuff. I mean like how you, the mechanics of intercourse and the mechanics of sex. It's so male-centered. So many men are like, sex is about the penis and the vagina, and that's going to make a woman orgasm. I did not know that uh, lubricant could be used as a sexual aid. I was 15 when I lost my virginity, and I didn't know that lubricant could be used for like vaginal lubrication purposes until my early 20s because that was never taught female sex education is very this is how you don't get pregnant this is how you avoid stis it is not sex is for pleasure here's how you make sex fun here's how you take care of your body here's how you here's the language you need to use around consent and desire that's just not yeah at, well at least we're not trying, to my generation we're trying that's you know what that's what every generation has been saying and it's like but best practices are that we should but you you don't get to learn that until you're an adult who finds it for themselves yeah even though we're doing our best to change that i i think that um uh, and i mean maybe this is why people have such a problem with the queer community is because the queer community does talk about that like it's become destigmatized it's it's not so it's not like hey i'm i'm grooming a child it's like hey i'm teaching you boundaries and consent and pleasure pleasure and um like you're you are never going to promote abstinence by just saying sex doesn't exist but you can promote um like you can reduce pregnancy by saying, "Hey, you know what else is sex? Oral sex, mm-hmm. and that's that's super fun too." But that's just yeah, not a thing. Well, the last question here was, "Do women get bored if it's thirty to forty-five minutes?" So we're going to talk about all women. I'm speaking from the hive mind, and the answer to that is y- yes. If all you're doing is pounding for thirty to forty-five minutes, we get we will get tired of making the noises that you need in order to come. Yeah. Um, Assuming that all you're doing is pounding for thirty to forty five minutes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's you, you need you need to check in. You just you gotta check in. You gotta. Yeah, we the collective of uh, speaking for all women, us too. We say yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Are you ready for the sex ed story of the week? Yes. Let me know if you have your own. Um, my formal sex ed at elementary, middle, and high school was the typical "sex is bad and you will die." My mom, however, had five children before me and knew if a teenager wanted to have sex, they would, so they should do it safely. Her and my eldest sister sat me down and taught me to put a condom on using a banana and forced me to take a box of them to keep in my room. That's nice. That's that's really sweet. Um, I, you know what, I will 
share a sex ed story about um, my stepchildren. Uh, I wound up with teenagers. Um, you, who, yeah, literally they showed up on your doorstep, I believe, almost teenagers. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when they moved in, they were, uh, I want to say, 15 and 16, uh, somewhere around there. And um, my husband and I sat them down and we're like, okay, so you, we know that you're going to start having sex. Like, we had already broached the conversation that we were just having about, like, pleasure principles and setting boundaries and people say no. Um, consent, negotiation, that kind of thing. But uh, we also went to Costco and bought a giant tin of uh, Costco tin of condoms. And we put them in the uh, hallway closet. And we said, um, we will periodically check on the level of uh, condoms to see if we need to restock. Please use as many of them as you require. And please give them to all of your friends. We will always stock condoms in the house for you guys. And we will not ask questions about who's using them, when you're using them. Just please use them and give them out to your friends. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, here's the thing they don't teach you in sex ed. You're going to need more than one condom. Yeah. Per, per session. Generally speaking, I yes. like that was the biggest part for me that I was like, wow, we're really running through these. I had someone once tell me, like, oh, I only have one condom. I'm like, well, when the condom breaks or if the condom, like, if you go soft, I guess we're not doing that anymore. You know, yeah. like, we're not gonna, like, what do you mean you only have one condom? Because I tell you, you just need one. It, you put on the condom, you stay hard, you fuck, you come, the end. And that also puts a lot of pressure on. Um, penis havers to stay hard yeah uh, the entire time if you only have the one condom like why not just bring a bevy of condoms i like having them in all different shapes and sizes um not necessarily flavors because those do not go inside the body those are just for giving oral sex people don't realize that yeah that's that's a bad that's a bad time. that's a easy action just wait yes um, but yeah bring bring handfuls of condoms i mean have a have a condom party fill them with whatever you don't use fill it with water and have like a condom water balloon fight it's hilarious well that sounds like a really nice thing you've done for your stepkids especially with the whole like you're not going to ask them who's using it or not make sure while you're at it to remind them that the most common sti symptom is no symptom at all so that if they are interested they should be getting tested regularly and they can talk with their doctors about what that means for them Yes, um, we recommend, uh, my husband and I get tested every three months, um, just because we go to, we are monogamish, but, um, we go to, uh, sex clubs and we want to set a good example. And if we're gonna, you know, have a scene with a partner, even if it's not penetrative sex, it's really important to know what your status is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to be talking about what a regular testing schedule is. I had a friend once say, oh, it's between every partner, right? And I'm like, what if you have a new partner every week? That's not reasonable. She's like, oh, well, you go every three weeks because that one never news, right? I'm like, give it time to, to acculturate in your body, you know? Like, give it time to show up on the test. Like, don't, that's a lot of healthcare dollars. Yeah, I, I think if you are practicing safe sex and you are being um, cautious, and I mean, bear in mind, sex is a little bit less safe now with monkeypox but if you are practicing safe sex and you are being um, responsible and communicative with all of your partners uh, you don't need to get tested I don't think you need to get tested 
every three weeks. That's a lot. Generally, Even sex, like professional sex workers don't get tested every three weeks. Yeah. The trick is to get tested often enough and know who you've been with that you can call them if anything shows up. But yeah. they even suggest that people who are married get tested at your annual checkup because you never know. I insist like married time. and monogamous, I should clarify. Oh, yeah. I insist every single time that I have a physical that we do a full uh, STI, um, uh, even HIV scan. And my doctor always, my male old doctor, always looks at me with utter confusion um you should just look them dead in the eye and go i go to a lot of orgies i say that i did he didn't take it well really yeah your older male doctor (laughs) didn't take that well you're supposed to be honest this is why a lot of people choose to make their primary care physicians ones who either are involved in a sexual health clinic or some sort of gynecology type thing also going on because you need a doctor that isn't even if they're judging you, it better not show up on their face. Yeah. That's that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Bedside manner is important. Yeah. In both doctors and pounding your girlfriend. I think that's a <laughs> great place to end things. Marika, where can people contact or follow you? Uh, you can look me up uh, Kink Engineering because I'm kinky and I'm an engineer. Uh, kinkengineering.com um, on all social platforms. I'm just Kink Engineering. Um, yeah, look us up, drop us a line, um, come and see your silly, fun, body positive techs. Uh, do not confuse them with Kinky Engineer and Kink Engineer. It is always Kink Engineering with the ING. Yes. Yeah, I'm Googling you guys sometimes. I hit end with you soon and problem. Oh, good job. Yeah, it's always some random dude in rubber. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you can join the Deviants to Finding Elite by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sex News with Ray. You can submit a listener question through the usual channels. Uh, so sharewithray.com slash podcast or my email, sexnewswithray at gmail.com. Actually, no, it's ray at sharewithray.com. Don't use that one. Or as usual, DM me. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at wifebayray. And also raise your latex on Instagram for latex and share with Ray for sexuality coaching stuff. Yes, I know I have too many accounts. Podcast is uh, engineered by Josh Henbrink and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. And the theme music is by Blank and Brilliant. And our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. 